Welcome back to Sharp Stats, your number one Yankees analytics podcast in the world. It's it's un, unrivaled. It can't be rivaled. We are talking some fun stuff today. It is myself talking Jake, John Boy, and the queen of stats herself, KT Sharp. And we've got some good ones today. We've got some schedule talk, what it looks like for the Yankees and some of their best competition for the best record in baseball. A little Dodgers, a little Houston maybe. Might start doing some fun sister cities discussions, which me and Jimmy have run into with talking baseball. Uh, we're going to do some Yankees hidden stats. This might be a reoccurring theme of sharp stats going forward. Starting pitchers versus relief pitchers. We'll get into that. That's going to be fun. And then I think one that's going to get us really excited for a Yankee that should be on the return as Luke Voigt starts his rehab. We're going to talk about his importance to the team and and a little bit of what he's going to provide and what we've been missing. And let's send it around the horn. Let's start with the queen herself. KT Sharp at KT Sharp. How you doing at KT Sharp? I am. I'm doing good, guys. Yeah, it's been uh, it was a great weekend. And um, yeah, good off day. Kind of recharge the batteries. I mean, that was a brutal stretch for for fans. I mean, obviously for the players, but 19 games in 17 days they just came off of. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, Going 15-4 and four in that stretch, I think that's what it was. Uh, that's not too bad. Um, so even if they were playing, you know, teams that they should beat, it is, it, it's grueling. It's grueling. Had a couple doubleheaders in there. Um, grueling for the players and grueling for us, you know, stats, fans, nerds, whatever, too. So uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm fired up for this West Coast trip and uh, ready for the Yankees to kind of put the metal, pedal to the metal and uh, finish off the season here. Down I was about – Here we Katie, come. Katie, I was about to ask you if you knew their record in those 19 games in 17 days. I thought it was a rude ass putting you on the spot, and then you answered it before I even asked you, so I celebrated. 15 yeah. and 4? 15 and 4? 19 games yeah, in 70 I mean, days? They went 15 and yeah, 4? Two double headers, two double headers in less than three weeks. I can mean, can everyone that listens to Talking Yanks just really swash that around in their mouth for a little bit? They went 15 and 4 in 19 games in 17 days? They had 15 wins in 17 days? Yeah, they started. Let's see. I'm, this team's pretty good. Hopefully, I was. Hopefully, I was right. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, turns out that they were twelve and seven. Yeah, I, I'm. That's what I'm looking at. Yeah, they went from six. They were. Yeah. So starting August second, I believe it was right. We had that off day, at the beginning of August, mm-hmm. and then uh, through yesterday, August eighteenth. That's seventeen days, and uh, yeah, I only see four losses on there. It's um, crazy. And, and not to get into the sharp stats of those games, but I bet if we dove into them, uh, the pitchers in those games <laughs> might not be guys you, you'd look back at and say, oh, the games we lost featured a lot of Chance Adams, Cortez, and Mike Ford. But we uh, let, what, let's not open up sharp stats with throwing any of those guys under the bus because we've got a lot of positivity because as Jim was hinting towards, this should be positivity in Yankees land. 15 and four is crazy. As we do, I know the three of us are kind of prepping for the storm for this West Coast trip. Uh, some good teams. Hopefully we get some good baseball, some winning baseball. Um, 
KT Sharp, and I think that brings us right there. Uh, it, the first topic that you came to us with, Katie, had to do with a little bit of the schedule. Um, and I, I think you're going to tie in some home road splits for the Yankees. But I, I also think this is important right now. Well, A, uh, you know, the Yankees hoping to get home field throughout a chunk of the playoffs. And B, uh, we're going on what's going to be kind of the last, I don't want to say the last test of the season, but this West Coast trip um, compared to everything we else everything else we face going forward in September, this has a different feel to it. The A's, who are going to be tough. The Dodgers, who, you know, that they're, you know, the favorites to be in the World Series out of the NL. So, Katie, what, what is the schedule telling you, or what, what should the schedule be telling us about what's coming up for the Yanks? And before you answer, Katie, just to let you know, I'm so into schedule talk. Anyone that's been tuned in to talking baseball, I've just been deep diving into every team's remaining schedule, and I couldn't be more fascinated and interested in who has tough opponents, good opponents, who we should be rooting for, not rooting for. So I'm, I'm very interested. I was happy you suggested this as the uh, first topic today. Wow, wow. Good timing for me. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know that. I know. I figure, like, maybe you should be the headliner for this uh, for this topic. <laughs> so I'm... Um, I'll, I'll do my best to keep up with you there, uh, John Boy. But um, So <laughs> the way I want to start this out is uh, a lot of times, you know, when you kind of when you want to look at remaining schedules and to kind of strength the schedule or, or whatever, who you're playing, there's one – the one uh, kind of tactic that I like to use is I like to use fan graphs um, as my – kind of my go-to resource for this. And what they do is they sort of – they project out the rest of the season. And it's not just simply like the opponent's – you know, the opponent's um, win percentage, right? Uh, you can aggregate that. That's pretty easy. What they do is they've got two different, um, kind of basically two different ways that you can that you can work with it. They've got one mode where it basically looks at uh, projections for all the different, for the players on each of the teams, the, re- the remaining uh, rest of season projections for the players, and then they basically simulate the remaining, simulate the remaining games using those projections. Um so it, it I, I mean, that's what's called a forward-looking projection. So you're kind of using, you're looking forward. You're using projections to project. Um, and then they, what they have is a season-to-date projection. So what they do, that's a backwards-looking. So what they do is they use the season-to-date stats, and then they simulate each of the games going forward and the remaining games and figure out a winning percentage from there. So you got the forward-looking, the backward-looking. Promise yeah. me you'll you'll never show me how to find these because I am a baseball simulation geek to the maximum. So don't okay. don't show me on fan graphs where I can find these. No problem. All right, my secret is safe with you. Um, so uh, so there's two different ways you can look at it on fan graphs, um, and I, I kind of like that because you know maybe if you're you're more of the backwards looking guy, you like. You think, okay, whatever they've done this season so far, you can use that. But if you're more of like, I trust the projections a little bit more, you can use that one. Um, so, first, the good news is that using either of these, the Yankees are projected to win the same number as the Dodgers or one less than the Dodgers, depending which mode. But they're projected to win the same amount of this. They're projected for the same amount of wins, and actually one more win, depending on which uh, versus the uh, compared to the Astros, depending on which mode you use. 
So um, all that is saying is that the Yankees have built up a good lead so far. So right now, as we talk on uh, Tuesday, they're three up on the Astros for the best record in the AL, and they are one up on the Dodgers for the best record in Major League Baseball. Yeah, right now the Yankees have the best record in Major League Baseball um, on Tuesday night before the game. Um, the bad news is, so like I said, they've built up this lead where they're pretty much guaranteed to have either the same number of wins or right around the same number of wins as all both of those teams. The bad news is that the Yankees have the hardest remaining schedule of either of those teams, regardless of which uh um, mode you use in season, you know, the forward looking or the backward looking um, remaining strength of schedule. So, right now, it looks like, and it's, it's a pretty significant difference. Um, the Astros had the easiest. Um, it's either the 476 or 465, depending on which mode. The Dodgers have the second easiest, either 489 or 479. Those are opponents' winning percentage. And then the Yankees have the hardest. Um, with a 490 opponent's winning percentage using the projected mode, the forward-looking mode, and then a 501 um, opponent's uh, remaining uh, win percentage um, using the season-to-date, the, the uh, backward-looking mode. And Katie, so, I, I don't know if, it, if you can tell from that, but I mean, is, is a chunk of it in these next six games? I mean, it's, it's the Dodgers and the A's. I'm, I'm off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of the Yankees' schedule, and I, I know there's – what two games with Tampa and maybe uh, do we have one more series with Boston? Um, but out, outside of that, I mean, I I, I I wasn't worried about the schedule at all, and now you have me a little worried. So I'm wondering how much is tied into these six. Yeah, games. yeah, these six these these upcoming this road trip is going to be huge. Um, so yeah, so they're like they're basically clustered like um, so the way it breaks down is that the Yankees, Astros, and Dodgers, they all have 36 games left, so which is, which is kind of nice. Uh, the other thing is that the Yankees have a, a huge amount of games on the road compared to home and compared to the other teams. So they have 24 of their 36 games left are on the road, um, 12 at home. For the Astros, they only have 14 left on the road, and the Dodgers have 21 on the road. So the Yankees are at a significant uh, disadvantage. And uh, in terms of games left against winning teams with winning records, um, the Yankees are also at a significant disadvantage here. They've got 15 games left. So 15 of those 36 are against teams with a winning record. Uh, And nine for the Astros and only eight for the Dodgers. So the Yankees, they have pretty much twice as many games against winning teams with a winning record than, than both of those teams. And that is what those combined, being on the road and games against harder teams, is what's really pushing the Yankees to have the hardest remaining schedule among these three teams. Um, and then I broke it down even further, kind of looking at those teams with a winning record, because those are the ones that I think are going to be the make or break, right? Um, Twelve of those 15 games are on the road. Um, so, and that is both, you know, that includes a trip to Boston. It includes obviously this trip against the Dodgers and Oakland. Um, and then it also includes a trip to Boston and then a trip to Tampa at the end of the season. So they've got a ton of tests ahead of them still. It's not just this upcoming road trip. Um, but they, they, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, the Astros, 
they I said they had nine nine games left versus versus teams with a winning record. They get seven of those nine at home, so only two on the road. And the Dodgers, they only get they only have three of their eight games against teams with winning records on the road. So the Yankees, schedule wise, are not in a good position compared to these other teams. Bummer. Um, all all three of them do finish with road trips. Um. The uh, the Dodgers and Astros predictably have much easier road trips. Um, they finish in Seattle and in L.A. against the Angels. The Dodgers finish in San Diego and in San Francisco. Uh, hard to tell if those teams will even you know be trying at that point, maybe just to play spoilers probably. Um, but the Yankees finish with a trip to Tampa and a trip to Texas. Um, not easy at all uh, for the Yankees. Um, looking forward in terms of their schedule. Hmm. So, here's what I've done. We need to find a team to beat the Astros, Jake. If they have an easier schedule, we need a team to play spoiler for us. So here's what I got. We will be rooting. Are you rooting for the Rays against the Astros, Jake? I think we are, right? Because like, we don't care if the Rays make the wild card or not. We want, we want best record. Yeah. The, the Rays would have to make a crazy push to, I mean, come into the Yankees' realm of the East, and if, if the wild card is the wild card, you can't be worried about that. Okay, so we are rooting for Tampa to beat Houston. Good news is the Toronto Blue Jays have three games against Houston, and I have pegged them as my spoiler team in the AL. They got a bunch of young kids that are going to play hard throughout. Yes. So we are rooting for Toronto. And then they do have a four-game set against the A's. So they, are, they do have – the A's have four games, and they, Tampa has three. Those are teams that are playing their hardest. So we're rooting for those two teams. And then we really, really have to be Angels fans come September. They have seven games in their last nine against the Angels. So Yankees fans are Yankees fans are Angels fans come September. They actually have 10 games left against the and Angels. Wow. Can Yankees fans can Yankee fans make the transition from DJ This is going to hurt at first. Do Yankee fans make the transition from DJ LeMahieu MVP talk? Because it's it's kind of done, guys. Mike Trout is going to win. To, hey, Mike Trout, be as special as you can be. Let's yeah. go for 60 jacks, my man. We're I, angels. We fans. are all Mike Trout. We're all Mike Trout fans. I think we are That's all great. in on Mike Trout. I, I love, I mean, you got to love Mike Trout. You got to respect what he does. And even, you know, being the MVP, let's, let's just get on that train. Let's yeah. just do it. Yeah. Okay, so there you have it. Now, do we care about beating the Dodgers for best record? I mean, it, it would be fun, but it doesn't really help. Well, it would be World Series. Yeah, it would if be we make it to the World Series. Series. Yes. Okay. So Dodgers is kind of going to be harder to figure out because. Uh, yeah, I mean, I put those numbers out there just to, for people to know, but I mean, they play in a different league, and the NL is just so crazy with the wild card and and the different races in the in the Central. Um, so it's, it's a little bit tougher to peg for them because I think there's going to be a lot more teams with a lot to play for down the stretch. 
Um, they have such an easy yeah, schedule. But Are you kidding me? Har- Jake, do you see? Yeah, st- the only Hurricanes. They do have an East Coast trip, though. Is anyone battling is the Dodgers? Is anyone battling the Dodgers for best record? No, not at no. all. And the National no, no, League? Not even close. So maybe it's close. so maybe they just completely released their foot off the the gas and then they don't care. Yeah. But but if they want to get best record in baseball, it's being handed to them in on a silver platter. I mean, after we play them, three games against the Padres, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Giants, Orioles, the Mets who will be playing hard, the Rays who will be playing hard. But then the Rockies, the Padres, the Giants. Just teams they've been beating up on left and right. Yeah. I mean, they have just rolled through the NL West, too. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, obviously a little bit less, you know, less worried about what the Dodgers are doing because that only affects the uh, the World Series. Um, but, yeah, yeah kinda- it doesn't look good for that. I think if we get to the World Series, that's it's a decent problem to have. But not to get people riled up on ALNL stuff, but I mean, not only is it home field for one extra game, but it's a game without the DH. Which I mean, the the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they obviously have a lot of hitters in depth, but for the Yankees, um, I mean, that could get really interesting really quick because that's a familiar face in that Yankees lineup web and we'll see who's healthy for it. But I mean, that's one more game in LA and one more game without a DH, which is just, I mean, that's, that's pretty huge. Yeah. It's a big change. Yeah. And uh, so I think, I mean, I think it's definitely worth a shot at the end of the season, if it comes to that, um, just because of that influence. But uh, yeah. And the, uh, the only remaining head to head games we have, that are among these three teams is the Yankees against the Dodgers uh, this weekend, obviously. So we are done with the Astros. We lost that season series, so we lose that tiebreaker if we end up with the same record as the Astros at the end of the season. They would have, the, they would technically have the best record in the AL. Um, so, Katie, so the, we, the, the Yankees, we, we like to assume um, – Although I, I don't know if people think we we joke when you are the queen of stats. I mean, you you are the queen of stats, but we do assume that what what we know the Yankees know. Um, and I I know and not to pit you against my John Boy here, but I know John Boy thinks that these the Dodger games are going to be more of a spectacle than than intense baseball series. Uh, do you think there's any inkling? I don't think of, they're going to be as intense. I think they're going to be overhyped. Right, 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 right. Like you, um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is, do you think there'd be any inkling in the Yankees organization that they know their schedule coming up? Uh, do you think there's anything that they're like, we should give these Dodger games a little extra push? Um, I, I know that sounds a little ridiculous because you want to go out and win every game and the Yankees are going to have their punt days if they use their pen. But do you think there's anything that's like, Hey, we actually have to make these Dodger games matter because if we don't, um, I mean, they they can put it on cruise control the rest of the way and basically get the best record in baseball. I mean, I think the way that the way that um, that Boone has operated so far this year, I feel like this team is going to play hard the rest of the season. They've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, I think, with all of the injuries. 
um, just kind of trying to prove that they they can get through this season with all the injuries. And th- that club, I think the, the clubhouse is amazing. Um, to me, that seems to be one of the biggest uh, advantages that the Yankees have is, is that their clubhouse is awesome. And Boone has shown his ability to, to fire up the guys. So I don't see that stopping at all. Um, I'm not going to say that they're going to be like, going full big four every game. Obviously, Boone is not going to stray from his tendency to, to not use, you know, his 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 rule of not using uh, the big four relievers or any reliever actually more than two games in a row. Um, but I can see them, uh, I can see them playing pretty hard um, against the Dodgers because it is a pride thing. I mean, these, these Yankees are really prideful. Um, that's kind of the vibe that I've been getting. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think I think John Boy is right in that it is going to be just way overhyped and glorified, and obviously that comes with the territory because it's interleague, it's Yankees, Dodgers. Um, there's going to be all the histrionics and you know the history and whatever. Um, but uh, but no, I, I don't see them. You know, I don't see them tanking any of these against the Dodgers and kind of just laying low. Definitely see them. Definitely see them gearing up for these games as much as possible. You wouldn't be. Would you be shocked if we have a Nestor chance game against the Dodgers if the bullpen no. gets you? No, no. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be, I I wouldn't be shocked. They do realize they do realize that it it's you know lose the Dodgers winning is less has less of an impact on the Yankees' uh, place in their in the uh, playoff race than if the Oakland A's were winning or something like that. Yeah. Um, so. All right. Well, that was awesome, Katie. I, and like like Jimmy said, it it no like wasn't facetious at all. We are starting to get lost in the schedule because it is crazy how much a team like the Blue Jays can can affect another playoff team season at this point in the year. Uh, so interesting to see. And I I mean, it so much ties into this road trip. I mean, if a three and six road trip, a five and four road trip, a, a seven and two road trip mean very different things for this Yankee team. Six um, and, and three. We're, we are we are all buckled up for the late nights that are about to come with it. And Katie, I think this is another topic that you brought to the forum to us last week, and Jom and my eyes lit up so much that we we're like, I think we got to save this, Katie. This is too good. Um, and I, I think it might become a recurring segment a little bit. You kind of have these hidden stats that point to the Yankees being a really tough out in the playoffs and kind of built for the playoffs to a degree. And the one that jumped out to me this week uh, that you had laid out to us, you labeled it this way, and I will use it verbatim, was equally awesome versus SP and relief pitching. Uh, So, Katie, I I think that's all the lead-up I can give you. All right. Well, thank you. Yes, equally awesome. I say equally, equally wicked awesome because I'm from, you know, Connecticut native there. Yeah, I, I can allow it. People are going to lean, lean Boston on that, but it's all right. All right. No, 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 no. Um, so, so, yeah. So, like I said, what I wanted to do is I wanted to look at some of these, like, little things, little stats, maybe splits or something that the Yankees excel at that I think can really help them be a playoff, te- be have a lot of success in the playoffs. And one of the ones I looked at is, you know, you want to be not just good against starters and, you know, not just be good against relievers, but if you can be 
extremely productive against both of those, obviously that's going to make you a tougher out in the playoffs. And we know that the, the playoff teams are going to have really good starters and really good relievers. Um, so we're not going to be getting any of these lopsided teams where it's, uh, you know, they've got one, 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 you know, one part in their bullpen may be really good or their starters are really good or, or they don't, they're not good at anything. Um, you know, you, you got to be able to hit everybody. Uh, and what I found is that the Yankees, I think I can make the claim that they might be the most consistent team hitting throughout the entire game. Um, so you got inning ones to inning nine. And that is the hallmark of what I see as a really good playoff team because they're not going to get blown out at the beginning. I mean, we've seen the Yankees get blown out at the beginning of games, get blown out in the middle, and get blown out at the end. But over the long haul, that's not the team that this – that's not this type of team. Um, so what I looked at is their rankings against starters and their ranking against relievers. They are third in OPS against starters and fourth in OPS against relievers. Um, the only other team that is in the top four in both of those is the Dodgers, predictably. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers are a really good team. The Astros uh, are actually second in OPS against starters, but only seventh um, in the majors in OPS against relief pitchers. So an advantage there for the Yankees, I think. Um, and, well, and then I wanted to also break it up kind of by innings. Um, so I did little chunks of innings one through three, innings four through six, and then innings seven through nine. They are top four in OPS in all three of those chunks, each of those three chunks. So I forget how it broke out, but they are the only team in Major League Baseball that ranks in the top four in each of those chunks, uh, those inning chunks, one through three, four through six, seven through nine. So that's kind of why I'm saying the Yankees, I mean, they're going to hit every single inning. They have a chance to be really good throughout the entire game. Um, and this is in terms of, of hitting. Uh, and, you know, I think that is a really – that's a, almost like a hidden stat for the playoffs that you want to be able to, to consistently bludgeon your opponents and not get worried if you're down early, down late, or whatever, because you know that your team has shown the ability to not get worn down um, and has the depth uh, to, to be a really good hitting team throughout the entire game. So right now, at this moment – the Yankees are a top-tier team hitting at the beginning of the game, top-tier team hitting in the middle of the game, top-tier team hitting at the end of the game, top-tier team hitting versus starting pitching and versus bullpen. That does seem good. Seems like a good place yeah. to be. It seems like they have uh, not many weaknesses in terms of their consistency, which, uh, yeah, that would tend to be a good thing in the playoffs. They seem to grind bullpens down. Even if they don't get to them, they make them like, you know, it doesn't seem like many bullpens have come out and breezed through the Yankees and then been good to go the next time. Or it doesn't seem like a lot of teams can bring out their subpar bullpen guys and have them breeze by the bullpen and save their better arms. A lot of times the Yankees make teams throw their better arms. Which is yeah, and I think that's, that's an intimidation thing as well, I think, because... You know, they know a lot of other teams with the Yankees playing so well, they know they have to get their best guys out there um, in order to shut them down. I mean, it's, it's a reputation thing, absolutely. 
and and I'm uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'm about to jinx myself. Sorry for cutting you off, Kate's. Is I, I think the other thing that has to be a factor in these numbers because you I mean, there's a part of this that's inning to inning has been the crazy Yankees lineup death. I mean, we we've had a couple sharp stats where we've talked about how the Yankees seven through nine has had the best OPS and batting average in the league. That has to tie into this too, right? Yeah, um, that was kind of going to be my next point. I really wanted to. I you are a perfect perfect segue there. Um, I think it does come back to their depth. Um, and this is this is the best stat I think. This this stat just kind of will blow you away. So they have 11, 11 players hit the eleven players with at least one hundred and fifty plate appearances and a one ten or better OPS plus. So what that means that we've talked about this before. OPS plus is uh, OPS adjusted for the league and the uh, the park and you know the era and whatever. And it basically means you're not just above average; you are ten percent better than average. So this is not just like your mediocre average guys and better. This is you know a good chunk better than average. An OPS a one ten OPS plus. So they have eleven of those players. That's not only the most in the majors. <laughs> More than a starting lineup. Um, that's not only the most in the majors this year. There's only one other team in Major League history that's done that. And that was the 2013 Red Sox. As much as we hate them, they did happen to win the World Series that year. Um, with incredible depth, if you remember. That was one of the hallmarks of that team, um, was their, their offensive depth. So this Yankees team is historic in terms of their depth. Um, and I think that that is what's fueling this consistent hitting across the entire game. And remind you that they're doing this with, they've done it with uh, 122 different batting orders in 126 games, right? I think that that also has to be considered. That's just astounding. Yeah. Yeah. That's... That is pretty wild, Katie. And I mean, I'm, I, you know, I totally remembered and I, you know, I, I'm just reminding people cause I remembered, but um, yeah, just that 2013 Red Sox team. I mean, the normal positions you'd expect to see, you know, some, some slight holes. I mean, uh, Jared Saltalamacchia had a really good year behind the plate. Obviously the guys, you know, Ortiz, Pedroia, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, they had guys step up. Mike Napoli, Shane Victorino was a tough at bat. Jacoby Ellsbury, uh, old friend of the program. Uh, uh, get me off that baseball reference page. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, Katie, I'm sorry. I, I hope that's. A, I hope I didn't step on your toes there. If, if you need, if you need me to pay less attention, I'm so good at that that I can start doing that. Um, I, <laughs> I've got the old report cards to prove it. Um, I don't know, John, any, anything else on that? That all makes sense, right? Yanks are good. I hope it comes to, I hope it works out and we can look back and say like, hell yeah, we saw this one coming. Uh, the Getting to bullpens is important. And not letting, not letting secondary bullpen guys record outs in the playoffs is huge. Like if you lose, you better make sure that they had to work their top three bullpen arms hard so you can tire them out the next game and the next game. You know what I mean? So, and I think the Yankees are really good at that. They're not going to let a guy come in and have a one, two, three inning. 
doesn't seem like it. And it's I, I feel like it's so impactful in a playoff series when if you get to a reliever and you see them the next day, whoo, yeah, uh, you know that, and especially if if you end up going seven games and you can essentially, I, it, it's pretty crazy that you can basically get one of their top relievers shook if you get to them in that game one, game two, that's in the rest of their head the rest of the series. So I I, I like that as a little mini what to watch for in their Kates. Um, yeah, and getting more from—I mean, yeah—getting to their bullpen, deep into their bullpen, and becoming more familiar with it, especially within a series where you're going to be seeing the same team multiple days in a row, um, absolutely helps. And that, you know, I think that that is one of the reasons why. You know, I looked back a couple of years at, at teams that were similar to the Yankees, uh, being in the top four in uh, OPS against both starters and relievers. And last year, the two teams that did it happened to be the uh, the Red Sox and the Dodgers, who both happened to be in the World Series. And then the year before that, in 2017, um, the Astros, who happened to win the World Series, were first in OPS against starters and relievers. So it's a pretty, what I feel like is it's a pretty telling stat of successful teams in the playoffs um, and, and, you know, just really awesome teams overall. And, Katie, we have... Another guy, and I'll, I'll build off Jimmy's hot take before about talking when he said these Yankees are good. We have another OPS guy coming back to this team soon. Knock on wood. I uh, hope I don't set us up for Jinx Twitter, which I know is all three of our least favorite Twitters. But Luke Voigt, King Louis V, is now starting his rehab assignment. Um, you know, he had the sports hernia, which was scary. It was like, well, he'll either be back or he very much won't. Um, he sounds like he's going to be back. And I, I think the other thing that's had me and Jim uh, more excited about a normal, normal IL return, the videos of him working out are like, yeah, that's we, we've been looking for this all year. Instead of hearing Giancarlo Stanton is swimming, <laughs> Luke Voigt is on a baseball field doing activities and, you know, Mike Ford has been around. He hasn't been a minus. He hasn't been a plus either, I'd say. But Luke Voigt, when he's right, I mean, Katie, this is a guy that locked down, you know, a couple spots in the middle of the lineup for us, and we should expect that when he comes back. But what else should we expect besides a little Sammy Sosa hop um, and, you know, some, some, <laughs> some great walks and a couple – Hopefully he gets rid of those frustrating strikeouts. Well, let's tie that into the injury thing. What What's the good stuff we should expect from Luke Voigt? Well, I think there's a lot of good stuff to, that we can expect from Luke Voigt. I think, I think people underestimate how much of an impact he's going to have when he comes back, um, and not just because of the person that he's replacing or, or whatnot, but because of the sort of the little things maybe some of those things that you didn't realize that he was doing so well to help this team uh, before he went on the IL. Uh, and I kind of broke it down into a, a different couple different categories. Um, the first one I want to talk about is we love Boone's saying of, what is it, control the zone or control? Mm -hmm. Is that is that it? Did I get that right? Control the zone. Control the All zone, right, yeah. Cool. Control the zone. Voight is I think is probably the most guy, the guy that Boone talks about, you know, when he says this, this is, this is Voight. Voight is the controller of the zone. And one of the stats that I really like to look at when I look at plate discipline is 
the difference between a person who what the swing rate of of uh, swinging at strikes and swinging at balls. So swinging at strikes means yes, you're swinging at good pitches, and that's your swing percentage at pitches in the zone. So you want to maximize that, right? The other thing is you want to minimize the number of swings they have against balls, right? Essentially, you know that's what you call the chase rate or your swing percentage on pitches outside the zone, right? So you want to maximize the zone ones, minimize the added zone ones. Pretty simple math. Luke Voigt is actually the best in baseball at doing this. He has a 76% swing percentage at pitches in the zone and a 25.8% uh, swing percentage at pitches out of the zone. And that difference, that 50.2% difference, is the highest in Major League Baseball right now among qualified players. Um, so basically, he's doing the best at swinging at strikes and not swinging at balls. Uh, and I think that's sort of a hidden, or I'm not going to call it hidden, but I think that's a really valuable trait, characteristic that the Yankees really need um, that, that's going to be valuable to add to their lineup uh, going forward down the stretch. Uh, the other, the second thing I wanted to look at is, I don't know if people realize, but he has come up in huge spots this season a lot so far. And, you know, you can debate whether clutch is a real thing, whatever. But what he's done in so-called pressure situations this season has been pretty incredible so far. <clears throat> so just kind of looking at it, uh, high leverage situations, we've talked about this before, Leverage is just another way of saying pressure. In high leverage situations, these are his numbers. 345 batting average, 472 on base percentage, and a 586 slugging. That's a 1.58 OPS. That's good. Uh, that's, that's good. It's the best on the Yankees. It's top 10 in baseball right now or 11th in baseball right now. Um, he has come up huge in those spots. Another kind of stat that I looked at, and this one, this one was really fun. Um, I looked at plate appearances in which he was, in which the go-ahead run was either at the plate or on base. So either he was at the plate at the go-ahead run or the go-ahead run was on base. In those situations, <clears throat> he has a 477 WOBA. So that's weighted on base average. We've talked about that, um, an all-encompassing offensive stat a 477 WOBA. Mind you, the league average just overall in WOBA is about 330, 340. That's second, so that 477 is second in Major League Baseball among 228 players that have come to the plate at least 75 times in those situations. So there's no doubt that I think, you know, when you when you add Voight to this lineup, you are adding a guy that so far this season has proven the ability to, to come up huge in these high-pressure, high-leverage situations. Um, and, and I think that that's only going to help this team, which we know is already great in those situations um, moving forward. That's a, what, what jumped out for me, Kate, and it, it ties into kind of the Yankees' bigger picture, and maybe it's something we see moving forward. Maybe it's something we see – with more teams moving forward, but we've been wondering about this Yankees secret sauce about hitters. You tell me all those numbers and you, everything I've seen from Mike Talkman lately, it seems like the secret to the Yankees finding these guys is, 
hey, as long as you know the strike zone, when you swing, put a rip on it and make it count. Um, because what, what you just said about Luke Voigt having the best, essentially the best command of the zone, uh, not even on the team in baseball, um, I mean, that's a, that's a wild attribute. That's that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think it really what's, what, what, what Boone says is, yes, we want to control the zone, which means that we want to hit the pitches that are hittable in the zone. We want to hunt for our pitches, and we want to put our A swing on those pitches. Um, and that is exactly what what Luke Boyd does. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like so it, it's, what we've heard their advice is. Get your A swing off, but mm-hmm. don't chase. Yep. Sounds like good good advice to me. Yeah. I wonder if Luke, so Luke Boy got a little frustrated because he, he, he does take a lot of strike threes. Uh, but that's part of his game. He leads the team in walks. He's got such a good not swinging at balls. But I remember he did lead the team in like uh, strike three looking. And I think he was top ten in MLB at looking strike mm-hmm. threes. So there is yeah. some frustration that comes with that strategy. But for the most part, it's good. Yeah, and I think that I think the reason why fans get frustrated is because those are sort of magnified. You know, you remember yeah. the strike, the looking strike threes. You don't remember the time that he takes that ball that's right on the edge and he gets a walk. Yeah. Or yes. you don't remember the time that he that he spits on a uh, you know on a slider off the plate um, and doesn't chase it and gets into a, maybe a two one or a three one count at that point. That's true. Um, which then obviously he's got the advantage in the at bat. Um, so swinging it either from a, you know, a, if he swung at that, maybe it would go, move to a, to a, a, to a one, two or something like that. So Katie, people don't realize those little things. That, that's incredible. The, the looking strike three jumps out five times more than even a, the walk or just a swinging strike three. Um, that's a, that's a really great point. I never thought of that. Sharp. Yeah, I think it, and they are, I mean, and people, they do jump out, but they're actually a smaller fraction than, than people realize. If you're just looking at the total, you know, the total percentage of plate appearances or strikeouts or whatever, it's, it's, a, it's a much smaller fraction than you think. Uh, and the final thing I wanted to point out and that we were kind of hinting at before is that he's going to be replacing Mike Ford. And we love Mikey Ford. We love Ford Tough, whatever. But uh, he's been pretty bad. He's been brutal, and it's this is his numbers going into Tuesday, into uh, Tuesday's game: a 173 batting average, a 295 OBP, and a 346 slugging. He's not really doing anything at the plate for us, and you know he's been pretty serviceable in the field. He's got some nice scoops and everything. He hasn't made a, you know any blaring or you know not too many too many mistakes, but. Uh, He's been pretty miserable. We've seen it with the shifts and just grinding those balls right into the shift. Um, and he's, well, you know, obviously a slow player too. Um, but right now, the Yankees. So obviously, I think what what's going to happen is that uh, that Luke Floyd, hopefully, when he comes back, um, he will slot, slot slot in not only as a first baseman, but I think he's going to take some significant DH bats as well. And the reason that's good is because right now. The Yankees' worst positional ranks, so if you look at their ranks in different positions compared to the rest of the league, happen to be at first base and DH. Um, So they are 12th 
out of 30 teams in Major League Baseball in first base production, uh, going by weighted runs created plus, and they are ninth out of 15 AL teams in DH projection. So those are their two worst positions. Um, and Luke Voigt just, just happens to be uh, pretty good at both of those and be able to fill both of those holes. Um, so I think that's another reason why he's going to have such an impact on this team when he does come back. And hugs are we multiplied. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Cameron Maben's a hugger. Cameron Maben's kind of stolen Voight's hug shine. Remember when McCutcheon stole Hicks's uh, bat flip after walks last year? Well, Cameron Maben, Voight was the original hugger. Remember him and Geo making love in the middle of the infield after wins? <laughs> so hugs oh, come back. And intensity comes back. Voight's kind of my biggest, like, missing right now because I, he was part of this. Like, you could say Stanton, but he's never been part of this team. So it's kind of like, right. well. But Voight was a big, big part of this team for a while, so I'm very excited to have him back. And I, I've got a nice little spin to bring it all together before the sharpest stat. Uh, Katie, you mentioned our, our lack of DH stats. What I was – blabbing about about playing the Dodgers game seven extra game without the DH I guess I could spin that into it doesn't hurt the Yankees as much because they haven't been getting crazy production out of that spot um so just just where my brain goes sometimes it's usually a weird place but um we are excited for King Louis V to come back and now Katie it's everyone's favorite I'm I'm gonna precurse it to always tweet at KT Sharp tell her she's the best and she usually shows it here KT, what is our sharpest stat of the day of the week? All right. Well, uh, I, I have to give a little bit of a nod to JT Stats here because he was the inspiration for me looking up this, this stat that I'm about to say. So I think this is maybe, you know, JT KT half stat. I don't know, stat yeah. of the week. So a- you, were the, you were the inspiration for this. And it is relating to our favorite pitcher, Masahiro Tanaka. Tanaka's done. Um, and so I was really intrigued. You keep hammering these, you keep hammering uh, the fact that Tanaka has this awesome playoff resume, playoff resume. And then your most recent tweet about him, about his performance against those uh, playoff contenders, that really, uh, I mean, that, that, that was awesome. That, sh- that, uh, that got me fired up. So I kind of wanted to just dig a little deeper and kind of look at put, put some more context into what he's done in both of those stats. So this is this is a two stat this is a two stat week, but both related to Tanaka. So we will start. Let's start off with the uh, with the playoff one. So as we know, Tanaka a 1.50 ERA in five playoff starts. Seems good, right? Seems great. That that seems really historically great. So let me put this into context. Among all pitchers ever who have made at least five starts in the playoffs, so that, you know, a couple hundred, you know, hundreds, let's say, he has the fifth best ERA right now, 1.50. The guys ahead of him are the best, Sandy Koufax, decent. Christine Mathewson, heard of him. Eddie Plank. He's a Hall of Famer. And then uh, Bill Hallahan, who you probably don't know, Wild Bill Hallahan, 
He was a pitcher for the Cardinals in uh, the 20s, the late 20s. Extremely good. And then Tanaka, right there. So just to clarify. So that's, uh, yeah, three Hall of Famers, and then a guy named Wild, Wild Bill Hallahan. Who I Jimmy's a big Wild Bill Hallahan, Hallahan, so I'll let him speak on that. But, Katie, what, what you just said to everyone listening is that of every major league pitcher to make five postseason starts, Tanaka is in the top five, and three of them ahead of him are Hall of Famers. And I, the reason why I drove that home is I had so many people that have said, like, oh, the sample size isn't enough for Tanaka. And it's like, well, we don't get crazy playoff sample sizes because it's the playoffs. And it's, I just think it's so funny because if Tanaka had five bad playoff starts, they wouldn't say bad sample size. They'd say, oh, he can't handle it. But he's had five really good playoff starts believe in Tanaka sorry yes I mean I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to he's going to be a Hall of Famer or he's going to continue this but what he has done so far what he has shown so far in the playoffs has been historic um so the next one so your stat about his performance against those playoff contending teams so I thought I mean that's that's pretty good so what I did is I looked at all players or all pitchers this season that with at least 15 innings pitched against what I'm going to call the six playoff contenders in the AL. And that's the Yankees, the A's, the uh, the Astros, the Twins, the Indians, and the Rays. Um, so the six teams that are probably going to make the play, you know, that are contending for those spots. Uh, and so, as you mentioned, Tanaka has a 1.93 ERA against those teams. Uh, obviously not all of them because he didn't play the Yankees, but that is currently the fifth best among all players that have at least 15 innings pitched against those teams. Fifth best. The guys ahead of him, and this this is this is good, are a starting at the top, uh, Mike Clevenger, Indians ace, Justin Verlander, Astros ace, Zach Greinke, now the Astros co-ace, and Garrett Cole. So you have basically like probably, I don't know, maybe the four best pitchers in in the AL right now. And then Tanaka is fifth there. That's wild. It's a little fun with stats. So, so like anyone like... It's fun know. with stats, yes. It's it's a small sample, yes. But this but, is what he has done against those teams. So you can't you can't erase it. It's not going away. Um, yeah, and uh, that's, those are the stats. That's awesome. Katie, I, I, I beg of you, don't think of it stolen valor at all. I don't know if you want to do it tonight or tomorrow. Please tweet those out to the people. Um, <laughs> you're you're, you're going to get one out of ten that's a little rowdy about it, um, that doesn't understand that there you can have fun with stats. That's the whole point, people. Um, but, I mean, that's, that's awesome. And, and the thing with the small sample size is what I said before. It's a small sample size, but it's the sample we have. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, in, embrace it for what it is. Um, Katie, that was awesome. Top five Tanaka. All right, there you go. That's his new nickname. Top five Tanaka. I, li- <laughs> I like it. Top five Tanaka, babe. That's a, <laughs> That's... When you leave your five-star review, put <laughs> top five put Tanaka. Top, put top five Tanaka. Yeah. Jim, do you want to close with your thoughts on Mike Clevenger and Wild Bill Hallamuth? 
Well, Wild Bill Hickok and Mike Clevenger have very similar hair, so just check that out. Right, similar similar repertoires and all of it. I, uh, Katie, awesome. I I think we we have to start wrapping it up. We're sneaking up on on the Oakland game. Um, unless you guys have anything else, uh, per usual, tweet at KT Sharp, the Queen of Stats. Uh, awesome, the best. Tweet at John Boy and say Wild Bill Matheson or, or whatever I keep changing his last name to. Um, and let's, Dude, uh, Wild, let's get- Wild, Wild Bill Hickok and Clevenger have similar hair. So go look it up. Is Wild Bill Hickok the actual name of the guy? I thought he had a different name. Wild Bill Hickok is a gunfighter that died in Deadwood in like 18-something. Well, this... Shot and killed by Jack McCall. He was holding... Not quite a baseball player. He was holding uh, aces and sevens, that dead man's hand. Right. That's why it's called that. Well, this has been another great episode of Talking Deadwood. Um, thank you guys. And, uh, we'll be talking to you soon. I'm, I'm so excited to see how this West coast trip goes. Cause I think, uh, that schedule conversation gets a lot more interesting depending how that plays out. So Katie, thank you, Jim, eh, uh, myself and noodle. Great job, everyone. And, uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next week for sharp stats. Go Yanks. Tell them Graham. Go Yankees.